You know what? Everyone is an expert. Welcome to the show. This is the Everyone an Expert show with Brett Rossum. I am your host, Brett Rossum. All right, we're back. I'm uh, thrilled to be here in the 2021, 2020 in the rearview mirror. What an interesting year. Um, we don't usually date ourselves or try not to on podcasts because they're kind of timeless. You know, you can upload and and uh, you might think I was doing this this morning, but here here it is six months later. You know, you wouldn't know the difference. But I feel like with some of the things that are going on, um, you know, I wanted to reference the fact that here we are on the 14th. We're a week away from the inauguration um, and everything that is happening in the country. And this show has not been one where we've um, delved a great deal into politics. We certainly have not done a lot of analysis um, of politics just because I feel like we get enough of that. I feel like, you know, you turn on the news and you get that flavor and then you flip over to the internet and you, you look up, you know, what, what you might gravitate towards, you know, the, uh, answers to the questions you have, or at least the answers you're looking for as you get on the Google, as they say. And, um, and so this show has been one where we've tried more to, um, have topics that are inspiring and open people's minds a little bit to all the possibilities. And we've had some, some great shows, uh, along those lines, but, I woke up today uh, and got on the Facebook, which is not something I do all the time, um, but I do have a couple of Facebook friends, maybe three. And uh, one of them is my good friend, Brent Jex, who is here with us today. Brent is president of the Utah Fraternal Order of Police. Uh, as most of you know, the FOP here in Utah is the firm's um, biggest and most important client. And it's uh, where we as attorneys spend the vast majority of our time uh, thinking about policing and police-related issues, and, and we're going to get into some of that. But the Facebook post that I woke up to today said the following. I'm just going to read it. It says, sadly, we live in a time when seekers of relevance are louder and louder. They come in all professions, races, religions, political parties, and ideologies, there is a difference in firmly stating what you believe and compelling others to do and believe the same. There is no more dialogue, only violence, no debate, just force. There are two polarizations happening, and I think we are confusing them for one. There is a polarization of left versus right thinking, and then a polarization of good versus evil. Some of the most honorable people that I know share different political beliefs, religious beliefs, and social beliefs than I do. And some of the most dishonorable check the same box as I do. Hypocrisy is condoning the same conduct you shouted against when it was someone else doing it. Whether you are a politician, reporter, police officer, stay-at-home parent, right is right, wrong is wrong. Those that want to be relevant will lose. However, those that can lead will win. Focus on the leaders. Disregard the imposters. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. Which, uh, of course, that last part is a quote from C.S. Lewis. 
So that was the post of my good friend Brent Jacks this morning. What's on your mind, Brent? <laughs> little bits of uh, little bits of everything. You know, yeah. I, obviously, it's been a uh, it's been an interesting ten months. Yeah, you know, and as an organization, we've we've gone through a lot. We've seen a lot. We've seen stuff that. I think it's pretty fair to say that none of us thought that we would, you know, that we would see him and be a part of. And so just kind of as the, the evolution of, of things and you see, you see those polarizations and you see people just clamoring for relevancy and just doing extreme things just in the name of, Hey, look at me, look at me. And it's, uh, Two things that are mind-boggling about her that, one, there are a lot of people that give those people the relevancy that they want, which just inspires them to be dumber and dumber. And and just to watch the polarizations happen, it's just... It's mind-boggling. It's, it's frightening. You know, I, I think about... Um, guys my my dad's generation or, or or my grandfather's generation and uh you know we're somebody in between i remember <clears throat> growing up in the 80s um you guys remember g gordon liddy yeah. you know former fbi guy and um watergate uh hero or um yeah. criminal depending on how you look at it and uh, certainly uh did his time you know spent some i don't know how many five years maybe in prison and uh, wrote some books i remember one of the books Oh, I'll get the title wrong, but it was something along the lines of uh, when I was a kid, this was a free country, you know, type of a thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was the sentiment of people in that generation, people in my grandfather's generation who were watching the way the world uh, was shifting over the course of their lives. And of course, my grandfather was, you know, from the greatest generation. You fought in World War II. Both my grandfathers did. And, you know, they, they came home and started families and... Um, you know, birthed the, the biggest generation, the baby boomers, you know, um, and, uh, and then things started changing and here we are, uh, these many, many decades later. And I just can't even imagine what my grandfather would be thinking, you know, uh, if he were witnessing our country right now, uh, the divisiveness. I mean, I don't, I don't care what you know party you're from, um, you know, we're uh, most of us uh, current or retired police officers. And um, in the FOP, we've, you know, for many years, we've said, you know, we're not Republican. We're not Democrat, Democrat. We're we're cops and we support those who support us. Right. right. And and that's and that's been the sentiment um, in uh, within FOP. And um, and yet, you know, we're seeing this divisiveness aimed at uh, our institutions uh, against the rule of law from both sides. Mm -hmm. And I picked up a little bit of that in your post. Um, And I don't want to read too much in your post, but where you say, look, you know, if you've been shouting about these bad acts, you know, um, are you really saying, you know, take the beam out of your own eye? Yeah. Yeah. To a large point. Um, and it's even it's even more than that. We we tend to accept something, not based on uh, what it is, but it, but who's saying it. You know, the supporters of one faction will will sit there and uh, 
and justify anything. And as soon as it happens on the other side, then all of a sudden it's, you know, it's the end of the world and, and vice versa. And I think we've stopped becoming a, I think we've stopped becoming a nation of uh, finding those that represent us. And we've changed to, well, what is, what is the person that I vote for? What did they say? Yeah, that's, that's what I think too. Mm-hmm. And, and so it gives tremendous power to those elected officials who are there to represent us, not to dictate to us we are but but we've forgotten that we've forgotten that that will to stand up and you know there was a there was a letter released that we were talking about just a little bit ago about the joint chiefs of staff and in in regards to the possible uh inaction of the uh insurrection act and they came out and said hey we all stand together and we're not going to, we're not going to enforce this. We recognize the, you know, the yada, yada, yada of the election. Da, da, da. Well, that, that statement in and of itself was polarizing because you have one side saying, look at those champions, look at those heroes, look at those, you know, standing on their principles. And you have the other side saying, what a bunch of cowards, what a bunch of, you know, they can't, you know, that's not their job to pick and choose. And I thought about, well, what if that was on a local level? Right. You know, uh, when we've had uh, sheriffs across the country stand up and say, we're not enforcing any mask mandates. We will not make arrests. And coming under, coming under fire by the pro-mask crowd of saying, it's not your job to do this, but then some of those same that, that targeted those sheriffs are now looking at the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and saying and applauding them because it fits the because because it fits the narrative. We're not operating on principle. We're operating off polls. It's it's fascinating. I mean, I, I want to read this letter to you. It's a short letter. I think that many people are are not aware of this. Um, you know, I think the context of this obviously it comes uh, up after uh, and following in in response to the January sixth um, riots at the Capitol. I don't yeah. know how else to say it. Yeah, it um, and the, the signers of this. Uh, Mark Milley, General U.S. Army, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and then each of the heads. We've got um, the uh, U.S. Air Force, U.S. Army, Commandant of the Marine Corps, Admiral of the Navy, uh, uh, Space Forces on there, you know, National Guard. They're all signing this, and it is a letter, unclassified, that was released on uh, military.com, and it says, Memorandum for the Joint Force, Subject message to the joint force and i'll quote it the american people have trusted the armed forces of the united states to protect them and our constitution for almost 250 years as we have done throughout our history the u.s military will obey lawful orders from civilian leadership support civil authorities to protect lives and property ensure public safety in accordance with the law and remain fully committed to protecting and defending the constitution of the united states against all enemies foreign, and domestic. The violent riot in Washington, D.C. on January 6, 2021 was a direct assault on the U.S. Congress, the Capitol building, and our constitutional process. We mourn the deaths of the two Capitol policemen and others connected with these unprecedented events. We, we witnessed 
actions inside the Capitol building that were inconsistent with the rule of law. The rights of freedom of speech and assembly do not give anyone the right to resort to violence, sedition, and insurrection. As service members, we must embody the values and ideals of the nation. We support and defend the Constitution. Any act to disrupt the constitutional process is not only against our traditions, values, and oath, it is against the law. On January 20th, 2021, in accordance with the Constitution confirmed by the states and the courts and certified by Congress, President-elect Biden will be inaugurated and will become our 46th Commander-in-Chief. To our men and women deployed at and at home, safeguarding our country, stay ready, keep your eyes on the horizon, and remain focused on the mission. We honor your continued service in defense of every American. I mean, talk about not mincing words. And, and talk about, you know, <laughs> these guys are they're patriots Mm -hmm. and i mean i know that there there are folks out there that are cynical about well you know some of these were obama appointees and you know this that and the other thing these are these are men um i think they're all men i don't know if there are any women in this bunch uh doesn't look like it but these these men gave all of their lives to the support of of our freedoms they sacrificed immensely as leaders uh, in our military, um, they lead hundreds and hundreds of thousands of uh, soldiers, sailors, Marines. Um, they care about America. And again, you know, I, I'm not trying to make a political statement. I mean, I, you know, I think I'm on record being a Republican around here. <laughs> I think you guys know I'm a conservative. Uh, I did not vote for Biden, but the thing that means more to me than anything else and any of the rhetoric that we're hearing on the airwaves and everywhere else, uh, it, it is the rule of law. And I spent the 6th of January absolutely disgusted with what I was witnessing on television and uh, what I was witnessing among um, people that probably voted like I did. Right. Now, I know it wasn't just them. And I know that uh, investigations are being made into the, uh, the coexistence of Antifa or BLM among Trump supporters that, that entered um, our capital. Um, that doesn't matter that much to me. What matters is that anybody, regardless of where they're coming from ideologically, would have the nerve to enter the people's house, the place where we go to set aside our differences and work stuff out, that they would go in there and desecrate the flag of the United States of America because that's what happened. That's what I saw. So I'm a little animated this <laughs> month. Yeah, um, so anyway, uh, enough about that. What's new with the FOP? Well, we're heading into our legislative session, which uh, coming off 2020 is a, you know, I remember, I remember my grandpa telling me a story about uh, 
when he was a little kid and getting in trouble. And anybody that that had uh, grandparents that were born in the early 1900s, you know what happened when you were when you were disciplined. It wasn't a wasn't a stern talking to. They were actually sent out to find the switch uh, <laughs> to find the <laughs> the, belt. the uh, tool that would be that would be used against him. And uh, and I remember him talking about how you know if you got one that was if you found one that was too thin that really hurt. And if you found one that was too thick, that really hurt. And so you wanted to, you wanted to be hit by one that was just right in the, right in the uh, middle. And I remember him telling a story about how he had been, his dad thought that he had done something that his brother actually was the one that did and couldn't convince his dad otherwise. So he was sent out to, to uh, find the, find the mechanism of injury. You know, it was a little uh, shout out there to our, our fire counterparts. <laughs> um, and as he walked back to the, you know, the feeling that he had walking back to the house with that, with that tool that was going to be used on him and just hanging his head low because he knew that he, he didn't bear the responsibility for what happened. And I told, a, I told this story to a couple of legislators and I said, that's what we feel like. That's what this legislative session feels like to cops. Because the narrative that's out there is not the truthful narrative. And you've got people trying to be relevant that are now jumping up and down. And, and they refuse to look at the facts. They refuse to look at the data. They refuse to look at... Uh, they refuse to look at human error, quite frankly. Do cops make mistakes? Sure. And we have, as a society, we've, the ability to be forgiven for something doesn't exist anymore. You are forever punished. You look at the, uh, you look at the CEO of Banjo. You know, that, great, great example. Yeah. Tell, I mean, tell the whole, people that story. I don't know that everybody knows that. So. CEO of Banjo, I mean, really great, great investigative tool. I mean, just a, uh, well, and one of the the state of Utah, I think spent a fair amount to, to utilize this tool. Yeah. It was a tool that helps law enforcement. Yeah. Uh, really cuts down on, on, you know, it basically what it does is it takes all the open, open source platforms and condenses it into one thing. And so you cut down the valuable time in looking across multiple platforms and you find what you're looking for, uh, right, right up front. So it, uh, I mean, it saves man hours, it saves investigative hours, surveillance hours, everything like that. Well, when the CEO was 17 or so, he He was a kid. Yeah. He, uh, he made a, uh, racial slur at somebody. I mean, he's a, he's a teenager. Um, they said, I think he, they said he, he, uh, ran with some, people that were affiliated with a, a, a white supremacy group yeah. or something. And, and I, in, in hearing the story, you know, I, I don't know that his upbringing was all that great. And I think there was a, an interval there where he felt very much like he didn't have much of a choice. Like uh, so many that joined gangs, right. Um, that's where he found himself as a teenager. Yeah. But he was a kid. 
and then what? And he found his way out of it and he became yeah. an entrepreneur. Yeah. And he became very successful and, and just a brilliant mind and and his his company went under. And it didn't go under because it was a bad product. It went under because the cancel culture came after him. Yep. And worse than the cancel culture coming after him, our own politicians refused to refused to take a stand and refused to say, Okay, you know what? Was that stupid for him to do when he was a teenager? Yeah. There are, there are lots of things that I did as a teenager that'll, you know, some of the stuff that oh, you know, parents will find out. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute. Uh, yes, you did some stupid things, Brent, but you did not join a white supremacist group. No, but I, I passed a, a car in the emergency lane at 105 <laughs> in my dad's car, you know. Yeah. And uh, point is, we don't, none of us. No. want to be held responsible for you know the things we did as children right and and i think the you know the punchline here is that he grew up he disavowed those relationships yep. those ideologies in in the strongest possible way he walked away from that lifestyle and the thinking associated with this but he's condemned right in in this uh what once was a free nation he is condemned forever because of the cancel culture, because of the politics, uh, uh, the politically mediated realities of 2021. And the crazy thing about it is that we have a sitting United States congressman out of California that slept with a Chinese spy. <laughs> slept with a Chinese spy. And that doesn't matter. Was she hot? Based on the based on the photos, you know, uh, she, it wasn't was worth not, it. She was, it it wasn't know, worth it. It wasn't worth it. No. Well, for for him, it was worth it because the cancel culture doesn't apply to him. Right. It doesn't apply. In fact, he was made one of the impeachment managers. He's a he's oh. a rising star. Wow. And that's the that's the problem. Should be tried for potential espionage, oh, but yeah. he's an impeachment manager. Yeah. How do you get the yeah. job, impeachment manager? Um, <laughs> What's I the application you, on that? I I think uh, you have to bury some bodies for Nancy Pelosi, or you have to, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you have to just say the right things and just you know at the flip of the flip of the switch. My Democrat uh, followers are squirming right now, but that's okay. They'll forgive us. Uh, that's okay if uh, you know all seven. If, all seven of them are pissed right now. And I'll I'll say you know if uh, sorry Jeremy, we, we should be uh, we should be taking better control of our parties. Yeah, I mean, it, you can be a you can be a Trump hater and a Biden hater, or a Trump hater or a Biden hater. Yeah, and both sides can look at the other one and say, "That's the best that you got. This is the cream that rises to the top." Now, I've I've long since uh, uh, I voted for Trump. Uh, there are two there are two Donald Trumps. There is the Donald Trump of action, and there is the Donald Trump of words. I am a huge fan of the Donald Trump of action. The Donald Trump of words, I would <laughs> not so much. <laughs> I'd be like, don't stray from the teleprompter. Yeah. You know, but, but he, uh, but his unrelenting support of law enforcement, unrelenting, he was never apologetic about it. Uh, whether you agreed with his principles or not, he stood by him. Yeah. Uh, he, and and that was when I really started looking at things and everything that he promised that he said he would do, he did as if it was a checklist. And I thought, man, 
Could you imagine if he was a, a conversationalist? Could you imagine if mm. he had that, if what he could do, if he had that, uh, you can't have that it ability all. to billions of dollars, billions Melania, of dollars. and yeah. you can talk. Come on. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty tall order. Yeah. Um, and so those are the, those are the things, but we, but we, I think we settle in a lot of areas and, and the fact that we're unwilling to hold, uh, our, our politicians and our leaders accountable for the stuff that they say and do. And, and accountability doesn't mean that, that you oust them. And I think that's one of the stark differences. And I would, I would challenge, uh, any of the Joe Biden supporters to, um, the Republican party. And this isn't a, I mean, this isn't a, you know, a rah-rah for the Republican party because there are a lot of things that the party does that I'm like, come on. Um, but the fact that Republicans are willing to break ranks and challenge their own guy when he when they disagree with him, there's something to be said for that because you don't see that on the other side. It's almost like they rally around and bolster that. Um, and I think there's some accountability that needs to happen on both sides because uh, the parties do it here in here in Utah. You know, we we don't foster the best that we have to give. You know, and there, there are a lot of politicians here in Utah that I have a, have a great respect for. I think they, they work hard. They, they seek input. They, they want it for the right reasons. They want, you know, they want to serve and, and I have the utmost respect for them. And, uh, and I don't want the actions of others to overshadow the, the good stuff that gets done. Um, that being said, we're, you know, we're in a, we're in a situation of, of teams. It's, you know, pick what team you're going to be on, pick what team you're going to be on it. There's no room for, uh, there's no room for independent thought. Right. You know, and I think that's what leads to the polarization and it's, uh, and I don't know what the answer is other than, you know, be true to yourself. Absolutely. You know, be able to look at yourself in the mirror. If you're, if you're a cop out there, don't, uh, don't be a hypocrite. I mean, I set my, I set my standard for pulling somebody over. They had to be going at least fifteen over the speed limit, because I usually traveled at nine to ten. <laughs> you hypocrite, over, right? Yeah, know? I know and the feeling. So, and then, in order to get a ticket out of me, you had to be going twenty over, um, unless you were a gang member. Uh, and then my threshold went way down. Um, but we've got to we've got to stop cannibalizing ourselves by, by the stupid stuff that, that we do. Yeah. I mean, look at the, and I think as an organization, that's one of the things that, that we do is we, we will advocate for the due process and for the, the welfare and the benefits of, of every cop. But we also have to be willing to, to call out the BS. Do you know that the, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you do because you guys are probably involved in a number of them, but the number of BCI violations that go to post council now, it's on the rise. Mm. They saw more posts. They saw more BCI violations yesterday than they have ever seen before. And I'm like, shouldn't that be inverted? Like when a problem comes up, you know, there's a lot because, because, you know, people don't know that they're not supposed to do it. Oh, okay. And then now we whittle down to just a few do it. And that's trending the exact opposite. What do you think the cause of that is? I mean, these are, you know, I guess a lot of them are alleged 
per, uh, curiosity checks or, yeah. you know, clicking yeah, the wrong box on Spillman or, you know, wh why yeah. do you think there's an up, uptick in that? Um, I think there are two causes of it. Uh, one is I think the curiosity and the, well, I'm not going to get caught. Mm. You know, I can, I can justify this. I can, you know, I can say, uh, that it was just a random car on the street that I was running because that, I mean, let's face it. If there's a car out there as a police officer, you, you know, you're behind a car, you have every right in the world to run that car, run the registered owner, make sure they have a license, make sure it's insured. It's the right. nature of the traffic stops. Sure. The problem is that when you're coincidentally happen to run the, the license plate of your ex or, you know, things like that. That's where the, that's Oops. where the problems come up. And, um, and then I, I think the other one is that, uh, there hasn't really been a penalty for it for mm. first time offense. Yeah. You know, and what I worry about and that I, that I can see coming in the next, in the next post council guys are starting, you're going to start getting suspensions, not, Right. Not uh, letters of caution. They're going to start with three month suspensions. Sure. And they're going to start hammering them. And we're going to have guys that are going to lose their jobs mm -hmm. because of curiosity. Checks. Losing their jobs at a time when there are fewer cops in America yeah. than any point in 25 years. Yeah. Because nobody wants to do the job. Right. Recruiting is at a, is at a low. Getting people to stay is at a low. Yeah. And we're going to cannibalize ourselves because we can't, because we can't just avoid that that urge to just go, well, let me check just for a, just for a minute. Where's the sentiment come from? I mean, to me, you know, as I, as I think about this, and of course we, we deal with police problems every day at the firm. Um, Nelson Jones, you know, prides itself in, in helping law enforcement. That's what the firm was set up to do. Um, and uh, yeah, we do a lot of divorces and we do personal injury and, but the backbone are police problems, internal affairs, um, OICIs. I mean, that's, that's really our expertise. And, you know, you would think given sort of the universal awareness of how difficult things are in law enforcement right now, that, that people would know they're under a microscope and would mind their P's and Q's. But we, we see a little bit of the opposite during times of pressure like this. And do you think it has to do with, with that very thing, just with the, the dissatisfaction of their careers right now. Sure. And yeah. The burnout rate. I think the burnout rate has a lot to do with it and, and understand that there's a, there's a different, that I, I see a difference between something that, Oh, I'm sure there are fancy words for it, but something that causes it and something that is, that is a byproduct of, um, I don't think that the, that the, the current environment, whether it's, leadership challenges with the agency or, you know, the public sentiment or anything like that. I don't think that that causes anybody to, to hit that button or to do this or to, you know, whatever the, whatever the violation is. But I think the overall culmination of it has a lot to do with it. Uh, every time I hear a, every time I hear a chief say that morale is not their problem mm. and I just cringe because I'm like, you have no clue what leadership is about. Yeah, since when in yeah. the history of organizations was the leader not responsible for morale? Right. And it's I uh, mean, didn't didn't Genghis Khan know how to deal with that? <laughs> like you will have good morale or we will behead you, right? I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. This has been around a while. Yeah. There are ways to, to gather support. 
but it's a, uh, and I think part of that is, is our fault for looking to, uh, you know, looking to our leaders for leadership when, and, and we have got some phenomenal chiefs in this state. We've got some phenomenal sheriffs in this state, but (laughs) the ones that are not make a, make a huge difference. I mean, their ripple effect is, is huge. And man, if we could, if we could stop treating, uh, chiefs like NFL coaches, you know, yeah, it's that this NFL coach sucked with this team. Oh, but now this, this team's going to offer yeah. him millions he's, of dollars. He's available. And he's available. <laughs> and well, well, he sucked over there, but yeah. Oh, Hey, that's weird. He sucks here too. And then he bounces around and, but it's just that cycle of, mm-hmm. of, of things. And you know, the, uh, if our politicians would take a different approach with police leadership, it would, it would, uh, have a profound effect. In fact, as we were sitting in these, these early <laughs> meetings with, you know, as it relates to police reform, if you, you know, like using the reform word, it was, it was amazing that the top four or five priorities of, of what they wanted changed was not a line level problem. It was a, police chief problem it was a sheriff problem it was a it was a problem in the way they did their jobs not the way that that the line guys do do their jobs our men and women on the line are are outstanding at what they do and what they have to put up with and yet somehow the music stops and we're the ones left without a chair yeah you know and and it's it's astounding to me that that it's that way and so when i when i see a chief that you know, that genuinely cares about, about their troops, that genuinely wants to make, wants to give them the tools to make them successful. I'm like, man, you are a rare, rare commodity. Yeah. And it's getting, and it's getting more and more rare. And, you know, without putting a, without putting a a number on it, that number's inverted. And bottom line, if you want, uh, if you want a better police force, then start hiring better chiefs. You up for the job? <laughs> Where'd you get this guy? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I'm serious. I mean, what are you doing these days? I know the answer to these questions, yeah, yeah, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, questions. I'm gonna ask it for the benefit of our listeners. What are you, what are you doing these days? A lot of FOP stuff. Yeah, and an insane amount of FOP stuff, and then uh, just got back from Florida Labor Summit. Yep, Labor Summit. How'd that go? Uh, it was good. Yeah, I know I was there. We, uh, <laughs> I was sitting right next yeah. to you. <laughs> it was good, that. wasn't it? I mean, it a lot of uh, same kinds of things we're talking about in this show. Uh, yep. You know, uh, that discussion is being had across the nation, all the way up to our top leadership in yep. national FOP. Uh, as Pat uh, Yo's is dealing with, you know, some of the fallout of uh, endorsing Trump, and then. Um, some of the public statements that have been made by some of our national members um, and just everything that it is to, to run an organization with 350,000 law enforcement officers. Yeah. And the thing, the thing about Pat is Pat gets it. Yeah. Pat gets it. And he's, he's surrounded himself with some great, great minds, Mm -hmm. you know, some real forward thinking. I mean, Joe Gamaldi, I don't know how many of you out there know Joe, but that dude is just a, he's just a ball of fire. You know, out of Houston, out of Houston, uh, PIO, and and uh, 
Yeah, he's their lodge president. Yep. Um, and he's the national vice president, and he's just man. It's a he's about three foot four and about yeah. seventeen pounds, but he has a voice that carries miles and uh, just a a mentality um, that is that is perfect for his role. Yep. Outspoken in the right way. Yep. And we've got uh, we've got some we've got elections coming up this uh, this next August in uh, Indianapolis. Um, Pat obviously is is running again, and we've endorsed him. Uh, Joe's running against, so we've endorsed him. Good. A uh, a really good dude out of Philly, uh, Steve Weiler is running for second vice. Uh, he's just a just a good solid, just a good solid cop, you know, and just a a good solid dude that that interacts with people. He he understands the the circumstances that that uh, cops face, he, and he'll be good. Um. James Smallwood, a really good friend out of Nashville, running for uh, national uh, treasurer. Um, just another good, solid, stellar guy. Stellar guy. Um, obviously, Rob Pride, our our friend over in uh, in Colorado, uh, who recently lost his uncle. Yep, uh, Charlie Pride. For those He's famous uh, country music, now Rob is. The exact opposite of Joe. <laughs> uh, Rob is about six foot seven, and uh, yeah, you remember in uh, Illinois we were riding to that uh, restaurant, and Brett and I drove out, uh, and Rob gets in the front seat of my full size Duramax, and he's just—it's like he had to fold himself to get in there. And I'm like, dude, what? Do you, what do you drive? And he's like, well, I got a suburban. And I'm like, how do you do it? He's like, well, you know push the push the seat back oh okay well, that makes that makes sense but would tease uh would tease joe about getting one of those little you know the little baby carriers the chest harness baby carriers <laughs> put that on rob and he can put joe in there perfect <laughs> so it's just a it's just a really good slate yeah coming up and and so your national uh your national board they get it yeah they do they get it and they're going to work with this new administration yeah i mean yeah you, you have to you know, it's, uh, if, if you don't, then you're refusing to sit at the table. Right. And, and, and to Biden's credit, I understand that his, uh, he and his administration have reached out. Yeah. In fact, they were the ones that reached out. Uh, Pat was a little surprised to get the phone call. It came, uh, it came pretty early in December. Um, and you know, they, they recognized that, uh, the FOP was the, largest uh largest police organization in the country and to get stuff done it it's going to be part of that and and like pat said he goes if i if i were to say no we wanted trump and you know da, 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 <laughs> because make no mistake there were uh it was unanimous across the country the way that and just so everybody's aware how the voting works is that it is put out for each local lodge to pull its members and for each local lodge to report the those numbers to the state lodge, then the state lodge report that as a vote. And then that's the vote that's cast. It's truly a, a members up vote. It's not just a board that sure that makes, you know, like an editorial board. It's a true members up. Now I know that there are cops out there that wanted Biden that they didn't like Trump, but there weren't enough of them to carry right. a, a single state. It's democracy. It's democracy. Yeah. Um, and, and look, I, I didn't vote for Biden, but 
I truly wish him the best of luck. Absolutely. I mean, I, I want him I to want be him healthy. To be, I, I desperately want him to be healthy. Send him vitamins. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hope that his, you know, as we were talking earlier, I hope that his, that his faculties come, come back. I hope that, that he can be uh, a solid person for a, an entire four years. Yeah. Because I think that's what's going to keep, keep it in check. You know, I, I don't want him to fail. No. I, you know, he's, he's my president just as much as, as Trump was. And even though I didn't vote for him, that doesn't mean that he doesn't hold the office. And it's how we remain civil yeah. in, in this country. We, we don't do what was done on, on January 6th. We recognize the rule of law. Um, yes, we could have a long discussion about the minion and about voter fraud, and we can talk about all the voter fraud going back to the beginning of this nation. But there are reasons, reasons why people like Nixon the first time around and others uh, conceded for the good of the nation. Yeah. And I, there are people in my own family that are, you know, squirming, listening to me talk this way. But nothing is more important than freedom. Having said that, when you understand how freedom takes place in the republic form of government that we have. Um, the time to challenge processes is not between a Tuesday in November and January 20th. You should have started that years ago because you, otherwise you force this, you force what we saw this month. And that is unacceptable. You know, we, uh, we tease our, our counterparts in the fire department for having better retirement and better, better benefits and yada, yada. And bottom line is that they got to work on it sooner than we did. You know, they, they took it seriously 20, 25 years ago. Whereas, you know, we've been the last what, 10, 15 years, uh, probably more so than the last 10 stuff like that, that happens. Do I think there was fraud? Absolutely. Do I sure. think that there was, you know, underhanded stuff at every level? Absolutely. But that's where the, that's where our role in the States come in. And that's why it's important. You know, you hear the thing, all politics are local. You know, that's why it's important to, that we, that we be involved. Now, that's why do those people need to be investigated. Do they need to be? Absolutely. 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 Let's, let's go after them. Let's prove those cases and put them in jail, and put them what? under the jail. If, if my side does it, throw them in jail too. Yeah. Because if, if we truly value freedom, then it, we have to be for the rule of law. And these people, I'm sorry, these people that are like, well, it's time for a revolution. These people are idiots. These yeah. people either don't know war or are too ignorant to understand what that really means. Well, I want to, I want to point something out on that. You know, the, uh, I, I love us history. I love reading about the revolutionary war and all the miracles that happened for this country to be formed. But you know what stood out? The, the colonists didn't take ships over to England and overtake England. They said, you know what, if that's how you're going to be, we're going here and we want, we want to be severed. Don't come after us. Don't try and, don't try and come and recruit us home where we're establishing this land as our, you know, as ours. So if, if that's how you feel, if that's how, and you don't want to do the process that's been laid out in the constitution, the constitution has set the practices for how we, 
for how we do things. And if there, if there's fraud and stuff like that, absolutely investigate it. Jail time, you know, all of that. But it seems like a, I don't want to say a lazy way out, but it's kind of a lazy way out just to say, well, let's do a resolution because war, a civil war is not easy, (laughs) a civil war. And, and I think that it can be pushed. I, I worry about that we're at a flashpoint. And then if some cooler heads don't start, don't yeah. start chirping, then that's what it's going to be led to. I mean, there was a geographic line in the 1860s, a place that was the north and a place that was the south. Do you know what that kind of a struggle looks like today? It's not just neighbor to neighbor. It's inside families. Yeah. It is unimaginable. It is the end if we cannot pull our crap together. Yeah. And well, we need to. And we're doing it with the, uh, we're doing it with the, uh, all these current narratives on, you know, on, on race and policing. I mean, how many of our, how many of our minority police officers are, are facing battles, not just out in public, not just with rioters, oh, in their but own within families. their own families. Yeah, it's and it's a, and it's a, a struggle. And man, I, I don't know what to do for him. Well, it's, it's terrible. And I've said, I'm, I'm on record saying, you know, the best thing that we can do um, to, to fix community relations and, and minority relations uh, is to recruit, recruit, recruit within uh, minorities and, and have these folks um, feel that they are welcome in these departments as contributors. And any rhetoric that is contrary to that, any rhetoric that is, you know, how dare you? serve as a police officer does a great injustice to those same communities you know what the irony of all that is is that the the cancel culture that calls is the one calling for more uh for more minorities in their communities to to step up and serve the interesting part about that is just like the uh just like the banjo ceo there are a lot of people that are now in a position where they're willing to serve that didn't make the best decisions growing up. And based on our, on our current unwillingness to forgive actions of the past, uh, some of those same people that would make phenomenal police officers can't serve because of mistakes that they made in the past. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's a really ironic yeah, you remember when they be. used to ask you if you smoked marijuana before you yeah. were a cop? <laughs> yeah. I mean, times have changed a little bit. You know, that used to be yeah. a complete disqualifier. They still ask the question, but they're, you know, a little, uh, we don't care, you know, because yeah, times well, have changed. I was, uh, I was talking with a buddy down in Dallas and when they had, uh, they had a new chief come in after the, uh, the chief that was there when, when the five officers lost their lives and, and he gave the order to blow them up, um, which I thought was a, I mean, that was a, that was a badass move. Um, but the new chief that, that came in, they, they went to her and said, Hey, we're down like 400 spots. And she said, yeah, we're going to make some adjustments to our, to our recruiting, you know, to, to who we're going to allow in and we're going to open it up. You know, we're going to allow certain criminal records. And they were like, how about if we just say, how about if we open up our tattoo policy? Cause Dallas has a no visible tattoo policy. Right. And a lot of people think that that originated in Utah somehow, no. but it didn't. It originated in places like San Diego and mm-hmm. Dallas and Philadelphia. And well, it was a, it was a concern about gang insignia, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. and uh, it uh, and and she was like, "Oh no, we 
we can't allow tattoos. And I was like, what? What? So you're willing to let somebody that committed a felony as, as, as recent as five years ago, they're okay to be a cop. But, man, if you've got some military tattoos. You got some ink. Showing, yeah. Then, then no way. And that's part of that, uh, that's part of that culture that it's there's there's always a pendulum on stuff like that i mean i was talking to some guys earlier today about some of the history of the marine corps have you seen any pictures of u.s marines around the year 1900 those were some ragged looking i mean beards they look like brad over here duck dynasty (laughs) you know with swords yeah and uh i mean they were pirates they were (laughs) they were ship bound you know yeah. Marines. That's why they call them Marines. They were on the boats and they were jumping from one ship to the next and, you know, swashbucklers. <laughs> and it wasn't until, you know, sort of uh, much later in the game when when the look of, of, of a beard or shaggy, you know, hair uh, began to mean something else that the Marine Corps wanted to set themselves apart. And, um, Anyway, I get it. You know, we need to recruit and we don't need to hold things against people that, that are really of, of no real, you know, or, or that they have, uh, genuinely learned a lesson on. I mean, yeah, uh, we know, we know some cops that had some very rough upbringings and yeah. are now, you know, some of the most productive cops that there's, there are. There's one I'm dying to get on this show if oh, I yeah. can talk him into it. And his story is just oh. amazing. It is the most interesting um, evolution of a human being yeah. I've, I've ever witnessed. And yeah. I don't want to give it away, but if I can get, you know who I'm talking oh, about. Yeah. And if I can get the man on here. Uh, we spent, uh, <laughs> we spent four days in a truck driving. We the did. Gulf shores and yeah, and man, it was just tell people what we did. This was right in the middle of the pandemic and um, not the easiest time to travel, but tell the folks uh, where we went and what we did. Well, we, uh, I, I serve on the, uh, national FOP disaster response team. And part of it was that when disasters hit and the, the local jurisdictions overwhelmed, we roll in and help out. Uh, most of it is, is in, uh, providing food and meals to first responders. Um, and there's also a reclamation piece where, uh, cops that have had, you know, trees thrown through their house, you know, we, we try and make it as habitable as, as we can. Uh, so hurricane, uh, was it Sally? I don't even know. I think so. So many, (laughs) a lot of them last year. I think we went through the alphabet three or four times, (laughs) um, came through Gulf shores, Alabama. And so as, as part of that, I, I deployed and I just kind of threw out a, threw out a text to the board and I said, uh, Hey, I'm heading if anybody wants. It's uh, only uh, 2000 miles one way. Anybody uh, interested? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, by the way, we're, we're driving and we're hauling a bunch of, uh, hauling a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I received two responses. I, I received one from Brett and I received one from Ray. Yeah. And, uh, that was a so great we, trip. We loaded up and <laughs> man, we went and we were going to, the plan was that we were going to stop in Nashville and pick up one of the trailers and, and head South. And when we hit, uh, uh, we hit Kentucky and get a call from uh from jason who's the committee chair and he was like we are out of food i'm like what do you mean you're out of food and he goes we had the entire community there was 
they were out there. We can't find cheese in like 300 miles. And so <laughs> we, uh, we hit a Walmart and we cleaned them out of hamburger buns and cheese and we had to buy coolers and find room for the coolers in the truck. And it was okay. We got to bypass picking up the trailer and we just got to get down there. Well, I thought, you know, you look at the map and I'm like, okay, Nashville and then turn South. So we're what, <laughs> how, how three, much further could it be? Three, four hours. And oh. what? 13 hours later, we yeah. roll into, uh, into Gulf shores yeah. and we're trying to set up in the middle of the night in a got, disaster zone, in a disaster zone yeah. and, and by all accounts, it was a light disaster zone, but I'm looking at these big full trees that are, that are torn apart. Oh, and huge ripped. oaks, 200 yeah. years old, ripped out of the ground and thrown on houses. Yeah. And, yeah. and twisted on themselves and everything. And, and we're set up in the middle of that. And, uh, other guys on the, in the committee that are just, you know, they're sleeping in the beds of their truck or they're sleeping on the ground. Um, and it's humid it's it's hot there's another storm just sitting off the gulf that doesn't move for three or four days days. i mean it just sits there and spins and spins and and i remember uh we were expecting a part of the reclamation team to come from a neighboring state but because of you know some things that they had to do in their own state we then had to throw a reclamation team together and so we we had received a a priority list from from their chief who the chief of Gulf Shores, Alabama, that dude is awesome. Yeah. I was like, hey, if you ever get sick of being the chief of a <laughs> resort town, you know, hey, come on up to Utah. Yeah. Because he's that, I, I sure. can tell when he's driving us around and I'm like, I would work for this guy. Yeah, for sure. You know. Um, and and so we go and I remember, uh, I remember pulling up to that. Well, I remember turning down the street and, and hurricanes, I, I didn't understand them. Oh. Even all the stories that you told, and yeah, I've been in four or five of them. The uh, no the walk chief in the park. and Pat sitting there talking about you know the hurricanes and talking about the tornadoes that happen inside the hurricanes, and I'm like, wait, 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 <laughs> there are tornadoes that happen inside the hurricanes, yeah. and he's like, well, yeah, that's why the disaster path is so unpredictable, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, yeah. So I'm looking at kind of this mo- you know, this mild, mild, mild to moderate damage, you know, down. Right. Uh, down along the, the coast. I think it hit as a one or two. I mean, it was, yeah, it, it made landfall yeah. as a two, but it was a slow mover. It was moving right. at like two miles an hour. Right. And so they're like, okay, we're going to start with uh Sergeant Turner's house. And so we, oh, we what a load mess. up and we, yeah. we turn off the main road and I mean, there's, there's cars around. I mean, there's power at the, at everything. And I'm like, Oh, this doesn't look too bad. Are we going to sweep a driveway or something? Right. And we turn back into this neighborhood and it was like my jaw dropped different story down there. it was i mean we were driving off the roadway to avoid the down power lines and just trees through houses and on big, top of houses, big trees monster trees you know these big massive oak trees and i remember pulling down the street and i'm looking at this house on the right and looking at this house on the left and i'm like oh please be the house on the left because it had a <laughs> it had a single massive oak tree laying right. laying down on the roof but it was a big brick house the other one was just demolished, demolished. And we pull up and we get out and Pat's like, it's the one, it's, it's the this one. one. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my gosh. And it, and it really kind of takes your breath away. I mean, I like, it, it's almost, it's almost emotional. Oh, you, you get know, out of the there. truck and you're like, yep, you people are screwed. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get out of here. This yeah. was, a, I was just awful. We had four chainsaws and a, you know, a couple trailers and some gear, but man, we could have stayed a week and and barely made a dent but we actually 
We made a huge. We made a dent. huge dent, didn't we? Made a huge dent. Yeah. And I mean, this was it, the damage that it did, and just everything. We ended up leaving a couple of generators with them, uh, you know, just because it was. The interesting thing is that the house across the street that had the one laying across, it was an elderly couple, <laughs> and we got introduced to him. Uh, she had she had some blood coming down, coming down her arm, and and uh, so me and one of the guys from Alabama, we were like, "Hey, come here, you know, grab a first aid kit out of the truck," and we we're like, "Hey, let's." You know, let's fix you up. You know, are you, you okay? And come to find out he was a retired police officer. And I can't remember what, I can't remember what state he was from, but he, uh, uh, you know, we had a couple of guys go over and, and help them, you know, try and mitigate theirs, but it was going to obviously require a company and a, and a crane, but it was really cool because he was, he was probably late seventies, sure. late seventies, early eighties. And out there and, you know, kind of telling some war stories about when he was a cop. And he goes, and he was like, and, and what are you guys doing? And we were like, well, you know, we're with the Fraternal Order Police and, you know, we're da-da-da. And he goes, I have an application to join the to join the local lodge. He goes, I was FOP my entire career and da-da-da-da-da. And on their applications, they require a, a signature of, of somebody in the leadership of the FOP. And so we're like, well, we happen to have the national FOP president right over there cutting up trees. We'll have him sign it. And so in the middle of this whole disaster, Pat was able to come over, you know, meet this guy and, and sign his application. And it was just, it was just cool. Yeah. It was cool. But it was, it, it gave me a whole new respect for it and, uh, and what they go through and, and really what we need to keep in mind here, you know, as we, as we talk about, uh, disaster response, uh, we out there it's one thing because there are a couple of different ways that you can get in. You know, we end up with a good size earthquake. Yeah. The Buckles Freeway. We're on our own. Right. They're not getting that. Uh we we had a big NASCAR car hauler donated and well donations to to purchase it. And it's gonna be ready to roll here next month. It's getting ready nice. to fit it into a into a big full kitchen and just I mean it's it's uh it's a nice setup. Well, and and we have a uh, UPS has agreed to pick it up and drop it wherever we need in the country. In in the event of a disaster. In the event of a disaster. Yeah. Uh, Pat enters, has goes to a site, enters a code that they gave him. They send a truck, pick it up, haul it, drop it. Nice. All, all for nothing. So if you're going to ship something, ship it UPS. You know, <laughs> we help those that help us. Well, guess what? Getting that big fifty-three foot NASCAR down partly may not may not happen. Yeah, depending on what kind of disaster we're facing so, here, we have to be yeah, ready. We got to be ready, and we got to be willing to to look out for others, and we got to be willing to. And that was that was probably one of the biggest things is that, and why we stopped in uh, in Kentucky to clean out the Walmart of whatever they had was because they wouldn't turn away community members. Yeah, and seeing the gratitude, so they they went out to feed their patrol. Yeah. officers and then everybody else showed up everybody else showed up and they, they weren't were like, about to say no yeah and so they yeah. they cooked breakfast for the entire community yeah and and lunches and and everything and and it was just this thing of hey we'll we'll figure it out but we're not we're not saying no you know we can't say no and that's what we have to that's what we have to keep in mind so not very busy in retirement then not very busy <laughs> you know i think uh 
I had I had started a couple of months ago of just blocking out a like an every other Friday type of a thing. Just no, nah, sorry, I'm busy that day. Just so I could have a a power down day, because from since the riot started, I uh, I didn't have a day off. Like even even over the weekend, mm-hmm. there was just it it kicked off so many things that it was it was almost Thanksgiving before yeah. I had a, a day to just power down and do and do right. nothing. Right. And all this and uh, started a business on started top of a business it. on top of it and and that's uh that's going real well and got a great uh great group it's tell the people the website in case they want to check it out it's cool uh so it's uh it's amboltsg.com a-m-b-o-l-t-s-g.com and an ambolt is basically a norwegian anvil nice uh turns out that the the ownership group we all have (laughs) we all have scandinavian ties and uh so just kind and the, of the, and the helmets to match, right? And the helmets to match, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a security company. I know this. I'm a part of it, and uh, really pleased to be uh, serving as uh, yeah. legal counsel on that. It's and, a uh, and it's not it's not a typical security company. You know, it's not like you know we we don't go patrol lots or anything like that. We focus on high net worth individuals and corporations. Um, a lot of consulting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've we've blessed enough to get some of the best in the business uh retiring out of the fbi that decided they wanted to retire to utah yeah um great guys yeah i mean just just phenomenal 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 backgrounds i uh, a buddy of mine in in new york that has a he's got a really high net worth company and he's kind of been my mentor through through all this and uh he looked at the website and he called me. He was like, how in the hell did you assemble a group like that right <laughs> off the bat? And I'm like, dude, I, I don't know. I don't know. And so it's been, we've been doing a lot of work with him and yeah. And uh, it's exciting. I'm as excited about uh, Ambold as, as I've ever been about the law firm. It's been just a, a privilege to be part of it. And um, uh, the company does great work. And so if you are a high net worth individual or a corporation that needs uh, consulting or uh, even executive protection or cyber related um, assistance. Uh, check it out, amboltsg.com. All right. Well, Brent Jex, I think that's plenty of time for you, buddy. We oh, covered yeah. we, we covered a lot, and uh, I appreciate you coming on. And as always, you are welcome back. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks.